welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode. Every couple of weeks or so, our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, get together for a roundtable discussion. So here's a few minutes for free so you can see what all the fuss is about. What this article from this Brandeis professor was talking about is comparing what we're going through specifically to Greek history, Greek Roman history. And he says the traumatized group may go through shared stages of grief from disbelief to anger. The further the group gets from the traumatizing event itself, the closer it moves to a social memory, a concept historians use to describe how groups of people come to share a consistent story about past events. This narrative can be manipulated to reflect or enforce values in the present. My studies of ancient Greek history suggest to me that this is what happened in the U.S. after the attacks. There are myths and histories of the ancient world that describe how, in the wake of the destruction of cities, societies created cultural memories that helped them find reasons for rushing into war. These episodes have parallels to the U.S. in the early 21st century. I don't think it surprises any of us that because we have these feelings of there, all of us have feelings of nationalism, whether we reject them or not, like they're baked in some way, right? Like you still identify yourself as an American. There are these moments where when something happens to one part of a country and one group of people, the entire populace thinks or feels that it's happened to them. And that that's such an interesting phenomena in general that we have built ourselves as a civilization we've built that mechanism in and hearing bush in that clip speak at ground zero and here we are like what days just days after the attack happened and hearing him say those people will hear from us and the rallying you know the cheering of that comment it's instantaneous right it didn't even happen months later it was immediately we're going to respond and we're going to respond big and that should make you feel better that's what that comment was from bush you know like i'm telling you something that should make you feel better about the trauma you're in right now and the trauma you've experienced this is the premise of the onion article that we all enjoyed recently americans fondly recall 9-11 as last time nation could unite in bloodlust right After those towers fell, it didn't matter if you were from a blue state or a red state, because we all wanted the same thing, blood, and we wanted it immediately. So we came together, and in a single voice, we told the world, we're going to drop tens of thousands of bombs on Afghanistan and ask questions later. There wasn't any hand-wringing about whether we might fuck everything up and make it far, far worse. Republicans and Democrats simply locked arms, pulled the trigger, and let the bodies fall where they may. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> and still are. I mean, we're 20 years on, and the bloodlust has subsided, but the bloodletting has not. We're withdrawing from Afghanistan, allegedly, technically, maybe, but dronings are going to continue. As we were leaving Afghanistan, again, allegedly, sort of, droned a bunch of just people living their lives. Had nothing to do with anything. They died. And we're still doing that. We're, we have committed. How many 9-11s have we committed in the last 20 years? And now it's just background noise. And it's just a part of who America is. Now we just, we bomb people. 
Yeah, but we we define them as collateral damage and insist that's not our intention and therefore it's okay. Sure. Which is totally different than terrorism. Yeah, we, we never mean to. Thousands of yeah. times we've never meant to kill any innocent people. Right. I couldn't help but cringe at the Bush line where he talks about the people who knock the building down will hear you. Where it's like, what? No, they won't. They're dead. What, what? are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I understand what he was trying to get at with that statement, right? But you want to project accountability onto others because, what, you were robbed of holding the individuals accountable in that moment? Or it's just interesting that our reaction to this collective trauma is to go out and create collective trauma for others. But we don't often think about that. We we think about what was done to us, you know, Mm -hmm. where we were, what happened to us. We don't think yeah. about where others were at or the events thereafter that impacted their day-to-day lives tenfold over, like most of us, again, Jay's out in California. Most of us, you know, we had minor inconveniences now when we go to the airport. We had increased surveillance and things along that line, but we were okay with it. We were willing to do that to stay safe. We weren't thinking about necessarily what was happening in other parts of the world and how we were going to impact them and the lack of say that they had in our actions. That didn't even matter to us. All we were living in was our experience. And again, the thought to what, get even? Yeah. Yeah. And and what kills me every time I think about this, it makes me so sick to my stomach, really, is that they knew we were going to react this way. (laughs) The the people who did this and, you know, orchestrated these attacks knew that America was going to spend whatever money it could and use all of the power of its military to respond and drain us of trillions, not only trillions of dollars, it's not only about money, but they knew we were just going to expend our national collective resources mentally, le- uh, legislatively, etc., on this instead of working on our society and making sure our democracy was stronger. I mean, the best, like every time someone says like, you can't let those terrorists win, I think they freaking won. You let, we let them win. We gave them everything they wanted because we reacted in this emotional, hyper-emotional way that came out of collective trauma, right? It's one thing to think back to those early days right after it happened, but the fever pitch in the weeks and months afterwards of hyper-patriotism and like this disgusting like if you don't support bush you're un-american like all of that language and that rhetoric that was going on and this is what this article about greece and rome was saying is that this is not new right this is a playbook by people in power humans in power i should say it's like almost bigger than that broader than that where they will exploit the tragedy in the moment to get what they to get what they need. Every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired signifies, in the final sense, a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. This world in arms is not spending money alone. Who recognizes that? Not sure. Dwight D. Eisenhower. Uh-huh. Was he talking about 9-11? 
<laughs> they knew it. It was an inside job, Tia. Yep, they knew it. There it is. <laughs> he predicted. Yep. He predicted it. <laughs> I can't help but wonder, had we had a national mental health response to mm-hmm. the events, how differently that would have played? Because I'm even thinking about the people that were directly impacted what mental health services were provided to the families to help them cope with the loss. Because yes, we all have this collective trauma, but we also have individuals who were directly impacted and got what support. You're supposed to feel better that we've now gone to war. I don't think that's the reconciliation, the grief counseling direction that you really need to go into after something that is very traumatic because you can see the event on TV it was replayed in the news. So, you know, knowing that you lost someone and then having to watch it over and over again, that's obviously layers. I hear you and soon your therapists will hear you <laughs> on the American <laughs> taxpayer's dime. <laughs> Hooray, yeah. This is why we have laws, right? Because if some wrong is done to you, you are the worst person to go out and make sure that there is some sort of punishment given. So we apply that to people sometimes, occasionally, not evenly, but it's completely not applied to the American government and the military machine. You did something wrong to us. We're going to do so many more things wrong to, I guess, just everyone randomly. People that aren't even loosely affiliated with the people that may or may not have done this. Yeah. Speaking directly to that, I saw this amazing, it wouldn't have worked to play during this show, unfortunately, but there was this incredible TED Talk event that I saw recently with a woman who had lost her, I believe it was her son, on 9-11, and she ended up becoming friends with the mother of one of the terrorists, and they found a common grief, and that woman had been through hell. The terrorist mother had lived this, like, just horrifying abused life and now was dealing with the fact that the son of hers had joined this group and become an extremist and then committed one of the most atrocious acts and hearing the two of them talk and hold hands they met maybe a year after all of this happened there was this group of families of the victims who rejected a lot of this warmongering and fanning the flames of war and decided to try to like create some sort of it's not exactly restorative justice but it's it's approaching that right it's like finding some sort of bond and some sort of healing on a personal level after a horrific event and if that stuff had happened if that was the direction and this is what Aaron's speaking to this is what Dan's talking about like if those kinds of instincts were there maybe we would be in a different place. Yeah, those are tools that aren't even in our toolbox. Right. Well, I was about to say, who's leading it? Clearly, this is money interest because we didn't even go to war over the actual reasons, right? It's a little... Mm -hmm. It's murky. (laughs) Well, well, the other thing is it's storytelling. and And this is the other piece of that article that I thought was really good to point out. If you told me, uh, society tells stories about traumatic events and that's how we like re-entrench the collective trauma for generations. I would have been like, 
I mean, okay, maybe with Pearl Harbor and stuff like that. I guess I can see that, but not now. Of course it is. There's been like five movies made about (laughs) 9-11 and it's not storytelling in the sense that we don't have an army of poets writing poetry, though there is poetry about this event. It's just different now, right? We have a pop culture response that is our version, our modern day version of the storytelling. And I am so curious now that the generation that doesn't really remember 9-11, now that they're more conscious, how are they going to hold this memory? What influence stories are they being told, whether from family or from the media and culture, that will shape how they view that moment? Because at this point right now, I actually think that the (laughs) we made a huge mistake narrative is winning, shockingly. But I don't know how long that's going to last. I think about talking to my grandmother about Pearl Harbor. Now, she wasn't living in Hawaii when that happened. You know, I mean, she she was in, you know, the eastern United States. But she talked about Pearl Harbor like as someone would from a collective trauma event. How does my dad talk about that in a sort of glossy-eyed version of what my grandmother told him, right? I mean, (laughs) I wonder if this narrative that we're living in right now of we should have pulled out of Afghanistan years ago, we never should have gone in to begin with, all of these like we should have, should have, should have's will last. Because if they don't, we are doomed to be the Greek and Roman societies that just continue to make more mistakes and mistakes that hurt ourselves in addition to killing, you know, millions of civilians in other parts of the world. So I do appreciate the fact that I don't want to give too much credit. We're a little more accurate with our storytelling Mm -hmm. in hindsight. What worries me, though, is the narratives that have taken place during the Afghanistan withdrawal, which are essentially like, whoa, Afghanistan people aren't even willing to fight for their own country. Why would we die for that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So to me, it's not that we're like, oh, we shouldn't have been there. Also, let's build relationships and have a positive presence or anything like that. It's still like, no, people living in that area are still bad people. We just shouldn't have lost lives over it. And that's my Mm -hmm. fear, that we're still Mm -hmm. passing on the prejudice. That is it for today's free sample. Pain members are who make this entire show possible. And so these bonus episodes and the bonus clips that go in our regular episodes are all just to say thanks to them for their support. And we've been in a drought of advertisements on the show for a while now, which means we are all the more grateful for every single member who signs up. If you would like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestoftheleft.com slash support or from right inside the Apple Podcasts app. If you can't afford a membership, I offer financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email and we'll get you all set up. As always, thanks for listening and thanks for your support. 